I want to talk to you guys about a jewelry brand that I am a really big fan of, and I'm wearing their necklace right now, the letter necklace, and I'm wearing a J for my boyfriend Jimmy and an L for yours truly, Uh, and the necklace is by Kendra Scott, and they have everything that I seem to want, whether it's, you know, this diamond stacked ring that I'm wearing. Um, They have the most amazing bracelets. Um, Everything from Kendra Scott is high style and it's fine and fashion jewelry at an affordable price. And like I said, they have everything that you want. They have these layerable pendants that are so beautiful. They have on-trend earrings and you can get something that's customized just for you, like my necklace, my J and L necklace. Um, Kendra Scott really has it all and they even have a great selection of gifts under $100. And if you guys need help with Kendra Scott, you can visit your local Kendra Scott store and everybody that works there is so friendly and they can help you pick out the perfect piece to suit your style. And also if you're shopping online, they do have a website with free shipping and free returns and free gift wrapping. So you know what to get me for my birthday please and thank you. If you want 20% off of your purchase for any full price fashion jewelry at kendrascott.com, just use code LOVEWELLNESS at checkout. Or if you're in the Kendra Scott store, just mention the code LOVEWELLNESS and they will give you that 20% off your purchase of any full priced fashion jewelry. So now let's jump right into this episode with my friend Erin Foster, which is brought to you by Kendra Scott. Kendra, you are such a badass. I'm a fan. And thank you so much for supporting I Love Wellness. Hello, listeners. This is Lo, and welcome to a brand new episode of I Love Wellness. I'm so excited that you guys are here with me today, and I hope that you've been enjoying all of the episodes that we have been putting out every week for you guys. So this week, we have a glorious guest on the show. Um, our producer, Sarni, says she has the longest byline in the history of <laughs> bylines, and I think it might be true. Um, so please welcome Aaron Foster onto the show. Thank Everybody you. Everybody claps in this room. Thanks. And Aaron, you are the co-head of Creative at Bumble, mm-hmm. which everybody knows Bumble has been on Bumble. You're also a producer for television. You're a writer for television. Mm-hmm. You're a model. You're an actress. And you're a fashion designer. I'm not a model, but I really like that whole list of things. I also used to make you fun of... You look like a model. Oh, thank you. Um, Listen, there's a model in our presence. You're seeing me in raw light, so that's complimentary. Yeah. I used to make fun of people who were like, I'm a this, I'm a bikini designer, and I'm a DJ, and I'm a model, and I'm a this. And I'm like, get a life. Like, what are you doing? And now I'm one of those people. It's so sad. But I don't think it is sad. I think that, um, I don't know. Things of that nature have really become democratized over the past mm-hmm. 10 years. And I think that everybody can sort of do everything. And if you have the right kind of talent and motivation, then you can be successful in lots of areas at once. And I don't really see any reason not to be. I agree. You know, listen, I think that what is important, there's a point in your life where you are scared to make a decision as to what you want to do. Cause mm-hmm. you don't want to be stuck in one lane. Right. If you think like, I like, doing this, this, and this, these three or four things. So I don't want to just take that full-time job because then what if I don't ever become the stand-up comedian that I want to be or the interior decorator I want to be? And I think it's really important if you make a decision Mm -hmm. and you pick one thing and you do it really well, the truth is is that the doors open all around you. Because if you do anything well, somebody else goes, you know, I have this weird feeling that you'd be really good at 
starting this company with me. You just show yourself in and your ability to get things done and get along with people and um, come up with innovative ideas. And then you sort of um, give yourself all these other, create other opportunities you didn't see coming. And that's sort of, I'm not saying I did anything well. I'm just saying like, I chose one thing and then it was able to give me the opportunities. What was the first one thing that you chose? Being a TV writer. Mm. And I had tried to be an actress in my 20s and it was just not working for me. Because you wrote for the new normal, right? I did. That was my first... Mm -hmm. Um, TV writing job mm-hmm. for Ryan Murphy, and um, it so was funny. <laughs> it was crazy. It was so. Did you wait? What's the Ryan Murphy connection? No, it's not. Oh, I've just seen the new normal. You have? Oh, the yeah. show's funny. Yeah. Oh, I thought you was like it's so funny. Oh yeah, um, no, the show's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was a great show. It only lasted one season, but I had tried to be an actress before that, and I really just I don't know. I spent my twenties. Like I really wasted a lot of time. I just really didn't know who I was. I really didn't know who I should be. I was trying so hard to be something, something that people would take seriously. I don't find though that that's particularly a waste of time. I think it's actually a really important exercise for most people to go through. Because I mean, how many 21 year olds do you really know that uh, determine whatever it is that they're going to be and actually follow through on that mission? Very few. It is Unless rare. you're telling me, okay, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm in med school and I'm literally going to be a doctor. Yes. Like I'm a lawyer or whatever it is. No, it's I, true. I, I think that taking those years to feel like you're flailing and figuring it out and moving in all these different directions is actually a really important exercise in getting to that place because it, it requires you to like find some grit you know what i mean it's true i mean i think your (laughs) 20s are probably are there to mess up and to make those mistakes yeah which is why someone had said and i said recently um that you we need like an extra decade between our 20s and 30s because by the time i turned 30 i was just starting to figure out what to do with my life and i didn't want to slow down and try to find someone to have a kid with yeah i just wasn't they sort of like bottleneck at the exact same time you figure out how to do your job well or what you're good at Mm -hmm. and how to live life properly right to some degree when you're in your early 30s and that's when everyone's like well you have no eggs left so you better hurry up and find a husband and you're like wait i just figured i just got my first like really real exciting job that i feel passionate about right so Anyway, in my 20s, I was just kind of being an idiot and I didn't really know who I was. I was trying way too hard to be something that people would take seriously and it wasn't working. And then I gave up and decided to be a writer. And it was I, it was like when blogging, like original blogging mm-hmm. was a thing. Yeah. On the actual internet with like writing. Yeah. And, um, and I experienced something I had never experienced when I was trying to act, which is like, people liking what I did. <laughs> God, isn't it shocking when you have that feeling of like, oh my God, people like, see me for who I am. Yeah. I had recognized no idea. me. <laughs> it was it was wild. All of a sudden there was like this traction. Someone had said somewhere like, um, when you're hitting red lights and green lights in your life, and in my twenties I hit all red lights in my career. Just mm. nothing, no door I knocked on was opening for me. Yeah. And then as soon as I chose to give that up and put it away happily and become a writer, and I really wanted to be a behind the scenes, like just TV writer, mm. comedy writer, every door started to open. And then ironically, after the new normal got canceled and I was as a writer, you, you, there's like a development season where people go pitch us a show idea and then we'll pay you to write it. And so I went through that development season and me and my managers at three arts came up with this idea for this show barely famous and we were like oh what if we like kind of make fun of reality tv but make fun of ourselves and make fun of la culture and kind of write this comedy that's like everything we see around us and then we got all these green lights and we got it 
picked up and made and ironically i was an actress in it so it kind of like relaunched an acting career i never had had before so i think sometimes when you accept something and you attack from a different direction and you own that lane all these other lanes open up for you you're not Mm -hmm. really limiting yourself you just have to focus on one thing instead of doing 10 things sort of half-ass yeah, I think so. Also, something that you said in regards to like giving up, I think that giving up and quitting is actually really powerful. Mm-hmm. And people look at it as like, oh, I've been defeated. Do you know what I mean? But it's really just um, taking a new course more than anything else. And I have also found, especially in my 20s, mm-hmm. it's when I finally came to terms with whatever it was that I wanted that I couldn't make happen. It was finally when I made peace with it that I allowed myself to open up all of these other doors mm-hmm. and I could finally take that step forward. And so I'm, I think that anybody that's listening that's like experiencing right that right now, just don't be afraid to make a decision and also know that whatever decision you make can always be reversed. I feel like people forget that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They get blinded by that. They have their, oh my God, I'm going to take this job or, oh my God, I'm not going to take this job or, oh my God, I'm going to go to this, to this one thing and exactly. then now that's my fate forever. Totally. And you're really not. You and you're could, not as old as you think you are, no matter how old you are. Totally. You could literally change your mind again the very next day. I've moved from California to New York City, back to California, back to New York City, mm-hmm. just as an indicator of the things you can do in seven years. Yeah. And it's not permanent. It's not permanent. Nothing is permanent. Um, I agree. I think closing the door on something or closing the door on the way you've been doing it Mm -hmm. if you read um stories about founders or um people who have had a ton of success that had failure in the beginning it's it's rare that they just kept banging their head against the same wall over and over and then all of a sudden the the wall moved that doesn't really happen (laughs) you have to change your (laughs) tactics so right it doesn't the wall doesn't just all of a sudden scoot out of your way you go okay maybe i'm not pitching this idea properly maybe Mm -hmm. i'm missing what the fix is maybe i'm not handling myself well in the meeting like you have to figure out if something is not working there is a reason whether you don't want to see it or not Mm -hmm. there is a reason for it you have to look at yourself and figure out what your part in is in it and and make a switch how did you learn that lesson did somebody else show you the way they're like aaron like you don't have eyes on the back of your head like let me help you here or is it was it a moment of like self actualization? It was realization. I think approaching the end of my twenties and realizing I really didn't like the way I was living my life, mm-hmm. and I was ready to stop trying to do something that no one seemed to want me to do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the gates were just wide open waiting for me. Like Aaron, you're a star. We're waiting for you. Like we just have all these roles ready for. You. Nobody was doing that, and I thought I feel like I have more to offer, and I'm really not capitalizing on on my talents so i'm gonna walk away and i'm gonna do something that feels terrifying and challenging and scary and i maybe nobody will ever pay me to do it or Mm -hmm. like what i do and the minute that they liked it or that i got that first job on the new normal it blew my mind that i could pull it off sure it just blew my mind every time i drove on the paramount lot with like a badge in my car i thought that i was like i thought i was I don't know, someone really important. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like the lowest level staff writer. (laughs) Did you find that when you started having success, like especially in TV, because I can't imagine being an actress and then, you know, switching to writing and then holy shit, your, your, your show gets picked up and Mm -hmm. then they want you to be on the show. Did you find all of that success and all of those green lights to be particularly fulfilling for you? Or were you always kind of looking for the next thing? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. I think, um, 
I talk about this with my friends a lot. I think it's really important to learn how to enjoy each step because you don't know what the next one's going to look like. And if you're someone who's ambitious, you're always pushing the goalpost back. And so you're always saying, you know, when I first got the job, it was like, if anybody ever pays me to write, that will be success. And then that's happening. And then I'm like, well, what if somebody paid me to write my own idea? That would really be success. And then somebody paid me to write my own idea. And then I thought, okay, if this gets on TV, it's going to really feel like success. And then it gets on TV and you're like, well, it could get canceled at any moment if it stays on the air. And I think it's, it's not a black and white answer because in, on one hand, you can't get too comfortable. You have to know that you have more out there. But everyone in life doesn't really accept where you're at. They want to know where you're going, right? So if you have a boyfriend, they want to know when you're getting engaged. If you're engaged, when you're getting married, when you're having your first kid, your second kid, when you're moving, no one really ever lets you just enjoy where you are. And Mm -hmm. the truth is all these phases are major landmarks in your life. And I personally have a really hard time enjoying them because (laughs) it's scary. You don't know when it's going to go away. And I get embarrassed very easily, weirdly. And I get embarrassed at the idea that I'm excited about something and then it goes away Mm -hmm. and people know I was excited about it. So, you know, oh my God, Aaron, you're making a pilot at Fox. That's so exciting. And I'm like, I know, I know, but it might not get picked up. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. Because I get so scared of the idea of chatter. It's like sort of, I guess, just like gossip because everyone wants you to fail kind of one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And so the thought of people being like, oh, remember when Aaron was just like walking around so excited about her pilot and now it's not even on TV. And I just always think about that. Uh, But my friends say to me that it's really important to... um, enjoy the moment while it's happening because it is a success in its own. And that's just something I'm working on. Yeah. Something that I'm working on also. Um, I'm trying to allow myself to feel elated about certain steps and milestones, but I find it's really hard because I, I'm somebody that always looks towards the next step, or I think what you said, moving the goalpost back and, for me, even these really exciting moments are are more stress are more stressful than pleasurable, mm-hmm. and so I'm really trying to figure out how to manage that better. Um, you also have to feel proud of where, what you've accomplished. Totally, there was an interesting article in the New York Times that I just read about this, and it was you know like about how you measure success and does it actually make you happy? And the point of the article was like actually all of these accomplishments that whether they're career accomplishments or whatever really don't serve the purpose in your life and it's really about the relationships in your life and that is really what provides people with genuine happiness and that was my takeaway I was like you know what all these accomplishments they're great but they're not actually making me feel particularly fulfilled yeah like yeah like I can see the progress in my life and in my career and I'm, I'm proud of myself and I want people to see me in a certain way I want people to think that I'm smart and successful and I can achieve my goals and my dreams but like it doesn't make me feel that happy day to day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For sure. It's like my parents make me feel happy every yeah. day. My nieces and nephews make me feel happy. My boyfriend who I love makes me feel happy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, I look forward to those things more than anything else. Well, I think we all have these primal instincts of what we're put on this earth to do. And you're put right. on this earth to find a partner and procreate. And make those babies. Yeah. And have a village, <laughs> right? Have yeah. like a village around you. Totally. So having those relationships, I think, taps into our humanity a little bit more than having, you know, a million Instagram followers. A hundred percent. You know, it's like we need, we have these basic survival instincts and we need super basic things to survive, right? Like we do need shelter. We do need food. We do need clothing, but we also need our pack. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like dogs. (laughs) 
<laughs> we need our pack. We need our village. We need our people. And, you know, that's what that's that's where I'm trying to put more of my focus, mm-hmm. not to detract from work or career or anything, um, because it's really exciting. But, you know, I, I have made a shift internally in terms of where I'm putting my pri- priorities because I see what really makes me feel happy and fulfilled. And it's, you know, spending time with the people that I love most. As cliche as that sounds, it's just the reality of it. No, I think it's really important to put people around you and in your life that make you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're the co-head of creative at Bumble. Yes. With my sister, Sarah. What does that even mean for somebody that has no fucking clue what that means? Honestly, we don't either. And I think our, <laughs> I, I think our title is actually changing and shifting because um, there is an actual creative director, which in oh, the is. tech okay. world means something different, right? It's yes. the person who's literally creating like the products on the mm-hmm. app and the way everything looks. Yeah. And so we have to transition our creative role a creative head role to something else because you know we sarah and i had a tv writing and acting background and then we um did a panel with whitney wolf the founder of bumble mm-hmm. we hit it off with her it was just speaking about sort of like women in business sure and then she was launching bumble biz and bumble bff at that time and she felt a little bit like i don't know what this is going to look like out in the world because we're transitioning from being a dating app mm-hmm. and she hired us to essentially kind of help just bring it into the world and like what it would look like mm-hmm. and um, and come up with creative ways to launch those arms of the company. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it doesn't really mean anything specific. It's sort of if there's a marketing campaign, then we're going to look over it and see if it looks cool to us and if it would be accessible to people. We're going to help them fulfill those things out in the world. We host a lot of events. Mm-hmm. Um, Bumble's really great about wanting to take people off of their phone and put them in the real world. They're mm-hmm. not trying to keep people like sitting on a dating app. They want you to meet yeah. someone on a dating app and then go get in real life with them. So we host a lot of events. We host a lot of like networking events for them. We travel all over to Canada, all over the U S getting people off the app and and seeing each other in real life because Bumble biz is a really amazing place for people to like network. It's sort of like an accessible, cooler, um, LinkedIn Mm -hmm. that ever, I just delete those emails. I don't know if anyone uses them or accepts (laughs) them or (laughs) creates profiles on there, but, um, what they're doing is really cool and we just kind of want to be a part of it any way we can. So we've been working with them almost two years and it's been really great for us. It's opened the door on the tech side for us mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because now we work with companies like um, Mirror, which is like the workout Mirror that was oh, yeah. I um, see that advertise everywhere. founded by this woman, Bryn Putnam. And, uh, and we uh, are investing a lot of female founded companies. And so all of our work is with female founded companies and it's a really exciting kind of ne- like second chapter of our career. Hmm, that's cool. Um, so I, I want to circle back to sort of like the bottleneck that you started to touch on um, where you wish that you had an extra decade in between your t- 20s and 30s. Yeah, one of my 20, my yeah. 2011 um, or something. Before, But before we jump into that, I guess I'm just curious, like what's next for you? You have done so many things. You've achieved so much. And so like where is your passion driving you towards next? Well, I think that this last year has become a little bit of a crossroads for me and a fork in the road. And I've had a bit of a tough, I mean, you know, it's confusing sometimes when you have a great year and Mm -hmm. also a tough year, of course, because you're confused on what to focus on. I think social media has really changed everyone's career. Mm -hmm. And um, last year I had a pilot at Fox that I wrote that I starred in that we shot and it was really exciting. And it was like the farthest I'd ever come to getting on a network with something I wrote by myself that mm-hmm. I was also 
putting myself in and starring in. And it was a really challenging process. It was really fulfilling. And I learned the difference between stress and anxiety mm-hmm. because I am a really anxious person. And it was probably the most stressful experience I've ever experienced in my life. But I didn't have an ounce of anxiety because I felt like I was really fulfilling my um, abilities and like and my uh, potential, Mm -hmm. which is such an important thing for a person that you're living up to your full potential and you're actually activating it and using your time productively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so then it didn't get picked up and all of a sudden you're like unemployed and (laughs) you thought you were going to, you know, have this big important year. So um, I haven't written anything since then. And sometimes when I say I'm a writer, I feel like a fraud now because it's been a year since I've actually written anything. Mm -hmm. And that's my health insurance is Writers Guild. Like I'm a real, I think of myself as a real writer, but um, we've been working in with all these tech companies and it's also really fulfilling, but it's also time consuming. And to be a real writer, you kind of have to sit alone in a room for hours uninterrupted. You can't really be advising for three or four different companies and traveling all the the world for Bumble and it just and getting 5,000 emails every day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> ping, 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 it's ping, crazy. ping. It's crazy. I mean, constant. You can't finish one thing without nope. getting interrupted with the next thing you have to finish. And so it really is something I have been struggling to manage. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I've figured out yet because they're both sides of my career that I really love. Um, but you have to maintain both of them. So my goal is really to get back to writing and, um, my sister and I are about to do an overall deal at a studio. And so we'll have opportunity, an opportunity to develop a lot of different stuff that we That's have. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. We feel really good about it. We have a lot of ideas we want to create and mm-hmm. implement. But I'm going to have to make a decision on the time I can put into other things because, you know, you have to maintain all of those relationships. You have to check in. And if you're trying to help three or four different companies launch and grow, you just you know, they say it takes like four hours to write for 30 minutes. Like that's what writing is, is you sitting at a computer staring, not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, 94 minutes in, you're like, Oh my God, I know exactly what it is. Yeah. It flows out of your fingers. Yeah. All of a and then you write it, but you, ha- you can't have to be at lunch in an hour and a half or have a conference call in 15 minutes and actually get that done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't, I have to be in an isolated, like protected space. So, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. But oh, I'm that's gonna, okay. Yeah. So I'm just figuring out how to do it. I think in a lot of ways, it's actually really exciting, you know, because it kind of goes back to your original point is like, you don't know what door is going to open next and you have to just allow it to happen. Yeah. And if you want to go down that road, you can make the decision to do so. Yes. So you I'm know? trying to enjoy it in the moment because my I, life is good right now and I want to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you have an amazing boyfriend. I do have a really amazing boyfriend. You guys have been dating for a year. Yeah. Today's our year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. I wanted to spend it with you guys. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we're very excited by that. Um, Simon, right? Simon. Yeah. How'd you guys meet? We met at the gym. Really? Yeah. Isn't that cheesy? No, it's not cheesy at all. We did. We met at the gym. Did, who said hi to who first? I did. I was the initiator. You're bold, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. I didn't think I was that person, but... I don't know. I, I, we, I saw him at the gym and my dating history has been just tragic and like has really been the, um, like the content that I've created in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, the shows and scripts that I've written are all about me failing in love and mm-hmm. all about me picking the wrong person. So people would say to me, my friends would be like, do you sometimes think that like, art is imitating life a little bit and you're never going to figure it out because you're so attached to this story that you're not going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, 
And I really did worry about that because I, I really enjoyed being this underdog who couldn't, who couldn't get the, you know, the guy and the career and the, I just, I think it was sort of to protect myself. I just slipped into that role and I was really comfortable there and Mm -hmm. it was funny to me and I could find humor in it and I could laugh at myself. And it felt like a lot of women really, it resonated for them and it felt familiar to them. And that made me feel good. Mm -hmm. So in some ways I felt like figuring it out was like betraying all these women that think of me as their um, like access point to failure in love. Mm -hmm. And so when I met Simon, but all of those women do, want to find love they do want to find so love that's true they're really so happy for you it's a light at the end of the tunnel um i listen sarni your producer who's sitting here knows she's been through it with me she's watched some of the choices i've made and she's been like i don't know when you're going to be done with this but this is not right for you <laughs> but i wasn't done i just was not done making the wrong choice that's fair that's totally fair though it's like obviously you still had energy in your body that you needed to expend in a certain direction yes right yes i was only interested in someone who either treated me badly or was not available for relationship and i liked the challenge i wanted to be the only person that would make that asshole be nice or the only person who would make the unattainable guy who can't settle down want to settle down with me that would make me feel valuable Mm. and i was just on that wheel and I couldn't really get off of it. And I would always go out with, I would try to go out with good guys and I just found them so boring. You'd be I hated them. I'd sit across the table like, I fucking hate you. I hate your face. I hate the way you're talking. I hate everything about, I just can't, I, I, hate, I hate you. I hate your face. I hate everything. <laughs> and I thought I'm really fucked because I only want the energy that comes with something that's problematic. I do not want the thing that's easy. I don't want the thing that feels good or I don't know how to feel loved properly by someone who's capable of that. It just didn't click for me. And when I met Simon, I was 35 years old. So I was kind of at this point where, you know, you're younger than me. How much younger are you than me? I'm 32. Okay. 33. So we're in the same zone. Mm Mm-hmm. But something happens when you turn 35 because you're not in your early 30s anymore. Mm -hmm. You are in your mid 30s. And it like sounds different coming out. You are someone who people stop saying like, do you want to have kids? And they go like, why didn't you have kids? Mm -hmm. Like something changes where people have kind of like given up on you. Yeah, I'm turning 33 and already it feels really different than 32. There is a difference. There's a difference. Because I think everyone knows there's a biological clock involved Mm -hmm. and I think it's really scary for guys. And honestly, I I really understand why it's scary for guys because they sit at dinner on a date across the table from a 30-something-year-old woman and they feel this energy of this girl being like, you better fucking be it because I fucking need to find you. (laughs) If you're not it, do not waste two hours of my time. Yeah. Like, tell me in the first 10 seconds if you're not my husband because I cannot wait any longer. And it's like... You know, no one's to blame, but I just, when I was 35, I thought, I really don't want to be that girl. I have girlfriends who are like, they're just, they're trying so hard to figure it out and they're so focused on it that it becomes really unattractive to guys. Yeah, and, totally. And I just was That's like, why my I don't want to be her. relationship ended because I was like, we have to get married. We have to have kids. Oh, really? I mean, he was honestly a psycho and like 40. So okay. <laughs> sort of like past the normal. Well, we'll put quotes around normal. Yeah. Right. But that's why my last relationship failed. I was 20. I guess I, it was like four years ago now, but I, you know, we were really in love and mm-hmm. he was like emotionally unavailable and I wanted to settle down so badly. And that's why the relationship failed. And so honestly, <laughs> 
my new approach, which is working really well with my current boyfriend who I love. It's like, you know what? Let's just take this day by day yeah. and it's fine. I realized how badly I failed by by forcing that energy onto mm-hmm. somebody else, even though he was a bad guy and like he wasn't the right guy. Right. It doesn't change your behavior. It doesn't change. It didn't no. change my behavior at all. You know what I mean? Making honestly, because he was a bad guy, it made me want him more. Of course. Like, I'm going to get you. It's human nature. It's human nature. Although it's a glitch in human nature because t- it doesn't really get what we want. No. Uh, it's awful. Yeah. So I just decided I refuse to be that girl who's panicking mm-hmm. and freaking out, at least outwardly. I'm yeah. not going to appear that I'm freaking out because I just don't want that energy in my life. And so when I met Simon. That is measured. Yeah. <laughs> it felt <laughs> like I was patience. exhibiting a lot of self-control. Uh, and I and I just went out with anybody I wanted to go out with. Not mm-hmm. like husband material, but I was like, I'm going to let go of this idea. So let's just imagine I don't figure it out. Let's just imagine I never get married. I never have kids. I have to be okay with that idea. Yeah. And I just decided, you know what? I'm okay with it because I have so many other elements in my life that make me happy yeah. and I can focus on work and I can focus on my family and maybe I marry a guy with two kids and right. then those become like, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm like, yeah. I know people who did it the right way and they're not happy. So I do not think there's like a formula for happiness. You can be married and have kids and hate your life. Yeah. I don't want to be that person. I know I don't, people like that. Of it's course awful. we all do. So I just thought I'm not going to force something just because I'm like programmed to. I'm just going to seek happiness, whatever Mm -hmm. it looks like. And when I met Simon, he's two years younger than me. He was nowhere near wanting to settle down. Uh, He would not. He was a full ageist, not to like blow up his spot because he's a very good guy, but he didn't want to go out with anyone in their 30s because of what we're talking about. He's like, I'm not ready to settle down. So why would I go out with someone who's trying to settle down? Right. I'll go out with a 24 year old. They don't want to do anything, but like have fun. So when we met, there was like kind of no pressure on the situation because we knew we like didn't make any sense together. Mm -hmm. He says, I don't want to settle down. I say I'm 35 and I go, guess what? I'm actually kind of having fun in my life too. And I'm not taking it that seriously. And so let's enjoy each other and have fun, like not put any pressure on it. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that when someone tells you who they are, you have to believe them. So if Simon says, I don't want to settle down, then I go, Simon doesn't want to settle down. I'm not going to try to change that or change his mind. I'm not a magician. I've tried a hundred times. It doesn't work. So I accepted it and I, and I went on dates with other people and so did he. And I, it took him probably three or four weeks and he kind of like realized I was on a date with somebody else or he realized I wasn't focusing on him or whatever it was. And he just was like, I changed my mind. I don't like the way this feels. I don't like the idea of thinking about you with anybody but me. And I think that there's something important happening here. We have to focus on it. And I was like, okay, great. And then we did. And, and it just kind of, I don't know. It just made sense so fast. I mean, I, it, like he's just my person. I don't know. It's just the easiest thing in the world and not boring. I'm smiling ear to ear for everyone that's listening. Thank you. I'm so happy. It really just, there's something <laughs> magic in the air. I don't know. It just like, it just, it works. It feels magical. It, I feel your energy. Thank you. I'm not much of like an energy girl, <laughs> but I like feel it. I love that. Well, you I know, think I think so great. there's something, I think when it hits like that, people do feel that. Cause I never thought I could be in a relationship where, you're not fighting all the time and you're also still passionate Mm -hmm. and you're not like butting heads with each other and have conflict, but you still kind of want to impress that person and make them happy. Yeah. Like those opposing elements, it just was one or the other for me. And I didn't think it all existed in one relationship Mm -hmm. and it turns out it does. And I really believe that like everyone has that 
ability to find it, but I don't think it's handed to you. I think you have to work for it. Absolutely. You have to go to therapy and you have to like have friends who put you in your place and and say to you like you're fucking up or like this breakup was your fault or you say you want this thing, but you keep going after that thing. Like you have to, honestly, you have to be self-aware. Absolutely. I also think one of the most important lessons that I've taken away from past relationships and current relationships is that nobody in the relationship is a mind reader. And until you can get really comfortable with yourself and expressing the way that you genuinely feel, even if it terrifies you, um, your relationship is probably not going to go very well. I've spent so much of my time in relationships creating these stories in my mind of what the other person is thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. And it always goes down a really dark, scary place. You're scared to rock the boat and ask the question. Totally. Exactly. And I'm somebody that is anxious by nature. Mm-hmm. And so it's never led me to a good place. And so I have had to become such a good communicator. Mm-hmm. Just, I feel this way and it's not an argument. It's not a fight. Even when I say the words that come out of my mouth, it's not in this like emotional, overwhelming way it's just like hey you know you made me feel like this or I feel this or this is what I'm thinking about and thank fucking god my boyfriend is an equally as good a communicator as I am so important and so I don't have to make up stuff in my mind yeah and it's so much easier that's the thing it's like what you're saying it should be easy it it really shouldn't be that hard like it shouldn't be that hard to coexist and i think that something i mean listen everyone has a different theory of what the perfect dynamic is in a relationship and most people are going to project what their best is not necessarily what your best is someone says you know oh long distance never works somebody cheats you're like okay obviously someone cheated on you when they were long distance with you and now you don't believe in that concept so everyone bases their advice on their own experience Mm -hmm. so i can only base mine on my experience and say that my therapist would always say to me, Aaron, you have a top dog, bottom dog philosophy on relationships. Every relationship you're in, you're either the top dog or the bottom dog. And if you're the top dog, you're in the power position mm-hmm. and you have no respect for your partner. You think they're a loser. And if you're the, the bottom dog, you are susceptible to that person's judgment. You want to impress them. You don't have the power and you're always trying to win them over and mm-hmm. you feel insecure. Completely. And I was always one or the other. And I really didn't want to be either one. And she's like, in a healthy relationship, there is no one in the power position. Mm. It's complete equal footing. And maybe one day I get insecure sometimes and I'm like, Simon, I need more attention. Or someday he comes home and he's like, I don't like the way you did that thing. And like, you need to make a bigger effort with me. There are moments that it's a, a bit of a struggle, but in general, no one should really hold all the cards. Totally. But like the struggles are not necessarily indicative of a bad relationship. Every relationship has issues and boundaries that need to be set and stuff that needs to be figured out and discussed. It's how you do it that how you recover problematic, from it. right? It's like, are you able to have this conversation in like a meaningful and honest and straightforward way that's not hurtful? Or do you tear each other apart because you're having a disagreement over something, right? It's yes. like, it's not the disagreements that are the problem. It's how you handle the agreements it's all how it's how you recover from the fractures Mm -hmm. that's it and every relationship has a fracture but it's just how do you guys recover when you recover the right way you actually strengthen the relationship yeah and i also think you know in my past relationships my best friends are a couple married to each other and i married them and it's really cute charming uh and the husband nico they have a really good relationship and i remember him saying to me you know aaron relation a relationship shouldn't be like 
forgiving this that person for a betrayal or like trust being broken trying to recover from finding something on their phone trying to know if they're actually going to be there like those big things like really shouldn't be present he's like me mm-hmm. and jamie fight over like you know she left dishes in the sink or like oh i didn't like that thing she said to me at a party like right. it's it's kind of low level stuff it is and and i really had never been in a relationship where the where the arguments weren't about like really big shit that really shouldn't be there in the first place so now i'm in a relationship where like all the big things are all intact locked in a room no one's like messing with trust no one's messing with betrayal Mm -hmm. or i know who he is when i'm in front of him and i know who he is when i'm not in the room yeah and i had boyfriends there was a guy that i thought i was gonna marry i was like 26 but i really didn't trust him and i remember thinking so clearly if i marry him i'm gonna be out in the world and someone's gonna go i'm gonna make up a name mike it's not his name um oh you're mike's wife oh okay oh nice to meet you and i would sit there thinking you know something about my relationship that i don't know you know something i don't know and i do not want to be that person yeah never i don't want to marry that guy i don't want to be mike's wife who doesn't know what his girlfriend's name is yeah isn't there an amazing like peace that you find in a relationship when you really are just on the same page yeah and you can just trust each other and it's fine yeah and it's not boring yeah it's really not boring i mean if it's if it's the right fit it's just yeah, if it's the right fit it's not boring but also i think women should who are listening to this who are kind of in the before stage not in the perfect relationship stage and when i say perfect i just mean right mm-hmm. um i think that like you have to realize that if you're doing work on yourself and if you're figuring out why you're making the bad decisions you're making or the like have the negative patterns in your life, you're going to go out with nice guys you don't like. It doesn't mean you're never going to like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I sat in front of so many guys on a dinner date thinking, I'm just never going to figure it out because I don't like you. And I would go and sit in therapy and I'd be like, I'd cry and I'd go, I'm just fucking broken. I don't know. I mean, he was nice and he's successful. He's a good job and he made me laugh and we're friends with all the same people. We have the same interests and he's exactly the kind of person I should be with. And I don't like him. I'm fucking dead inside. Like something is broken. And my therapist would be like, you really shouldn't overthink it. He's just not your match. Yeah. And that's it. It's very simple. It's you just not just yours. Don't like each other's pheromones. <laughs> yeah. Truly, like, it's that's just biological. Just, You're a just, great person. We could be great together, but hey, like I just like don't want to fuck you all the time. Yeah. You it. might not be broken. You may just not have met your match. Yeah. Honestly, when I was dating a lot, that was one of the most devastating things for me. It's like you put in all this effort and you try and you try and you can go on these streaks where you go up with all of these people mm-hmm. that are nice. You know what I mean? And you just aren't the match for them yes that's that's really trying going on a date with a good person you don't like is devastating totally you really think this is my fate this is what it's gonna look like every time i sit in front of someone yeah or like fuck i'm just gonna have to be like okay <laughs> and feel comfortable. yeah it's settle. Like, i guess i'll just be with them i don't know i don't like them that much but yeah just, i'll just do it i'm just gonna settle okay so this brings me back to the last thing i want to talk to you about which is fertility yes which i know that you are pretty open about and yeah i think that you know a lot about it unfortunately so, yeah. um tell me what you know because i don't know a lot about fertility from your perspective about you know um Saving your eggs. What do you call it? Freezing, Freezing your eggs. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Freezing your eggs. Yeah. Like, I'm 32. What do I need to know? I mean, I think at 32, you should have your eggs checked and see how many you have. Really? Yes, absolutely. What if like my mom was totally fertile and my sister's totally fertile? You know, my There's, mom like, no and issue. sisters, several of them are all so fertile mm-hmm. and I am not. Interesting. So man. I don't know if there's a correlation. I think that... Um, 
it's getting so much better because people are talking about it more. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that I'm afraid of for other women, for my girlfriends, because I have girlfriends who did this, is you wait until you're trying to have a baby and it's not working mm-hmm. to look at your fertility. And sometimes that means you're 38. And you should have been looking probably four or five years before that. Mm. And not everyone has my issue, right? Like I have fertility issues. I have a low egg count. So I needed to look when I did. But there are a lot of people who are really waiting too long because it makes you feel old to go look at your eggs. You're like, Mm. I don't want to do that. Why do I have to look at my eggs? I'm only 33. Like I'm a child. But it's not true. Unfortunately, your ovaries are a different age or maturity than you you might feel. Sad. So... I went on my 30, not on my 34th birthday, but right after I turned 34 and I thought, I don't know, I've never gotten pregnant. Maybe I should look at my fertility. And so I just on a whim kind of thought, I'll just check it out and see what's happening in there. And it turned out I was a couple years too late. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like my my fate is not sealed, but I I wish looking back, I had gone in at 30 Mm -hmm. because at 34, I had a really low egg count for a 34 year old. And like, you know, you have this, you have one sum of eggs in your body that are there when you're born. Mm -hmm. They're microscopic little cells. And every month they move into your ovaries. And let's say you have five on each size. You've got like 10 for that month. Mm -hmm. Your brain then arbitrarily picks one of them to um, ovulate. Mm -hmm. And that ovulating egg has the opportunity to um, have a sperm connect to it and get pregnant. It doesn't pick the best one or else you get pregnant every time you had sex. It just picks a random one. Mm. And then the other nine go away and you lose them forever. Mm. And the next month, you know, 10 more come in and the number like shifts. It Mm. goes higher and lower. So when you're in your 20s, not only do you have a high number, but you also every month, but you also have really good quality. Mm. So if you have 25 or 30 eggs that month, like most of them are good eggs. And then you're 30 and let's say you have between 15 and 20 I think the number is probably, and Dr. Wong is definitely going to correct me on this, but I've learned this from him, um, is uh, the chances of them being good are probably like two thirds maybe are good. Mm-hmm. And every year in your 30s, 31 to 32 to 33, it, it, the numbers drop. Mm. And so if you're someone who has, who's really fertile and has a, a big high egg count at 32, you might have 25 eggs in there and like 17 of them are good. And like, you're in a great position. But for me, when I was 34, which is really young on the fertility scale, Mm -hmm. I only had seven or eight. And then when I got them taken out, I only got three and all three of those were bad. So when you lower your numbers, you lower your chances, you lower the risks. And I think there are a lot of things that factor in. I'm not a doctor and there's plenty of people who will say like, this is true or that's not true. But I really think that not only are we waiting longer to have kids, we're really not supposed to be starting at this age. Mm -hmm. We should have been starting 10 years ago on the scale of, I don't know. Like just real human biology. (laughs) Biology, (laughs) exactly. So we're (laughs) already... young, fertile bodies. (laughs) Yeah, we're already starting later than expected. And we live in a fucking microwave. We just live inside a microwave. I mean, it's not not helping us at all. Mm -hmm. So your cell phones and like 5G, and I'm not like some weird hippie who like doesn't it's just a fact Mm -hmm. and it really does fuck with your fertility and then you're putting chemicals inside your body that's getting brought into your bloodstream they just did that study that came out on um time magazine did this study where they 
put sunscreen on like 40 different people and they tested all their blood and a hundred percent of them had the chemicals from the sunscreen in their bloodstream. <laughs> so it's just a, it's just an example of the things that we're putting on our body. And like a lot of these, a lot of these um, chemicals that are in our makeup and our skincare and our hair products and in our nail polish, they're hormone disruptors. And a hundred years ago, food was organic. Mm-hmm. Just, it just was yeah, you just, all food. Yeah. You didn't put pesticides on things. And my philosophy is, and most people, I think at least where we live, if a chemical is created to kill something like a bug, it's going to kill stuff. So what do you think it's going to do when you're eating it and breathing it and putting it on your skin? It's just, to me, it's like a very logical concept that not only are we waiting too long, but we're also creating all these um, like challenges for our body to operate perfectly. Like our bodies are dumpster fires. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting your nutrition from fast food, there's, there is no food in that, mm-hmm. right? If you're not getting your nutrients. Like your, your gut is unhealthy. Your body is out of balance. You're taking an antibiotic because you're sick and then you're you know, then you're having headaches and you're taking an Advil and then the, the Advil is hurting your stomach. And so you take an antacid and then you have heartburns, so you take the medication for that. And then that medication kind of makes you a little bit like anxious. So then you're taking this and you take a Xanax to help you sleep. And then you wake up and you're groggy. So you drink coffee and then you, it's like, how do you think your body is going to function like that? And I just, I just think we're doing it wrong. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So what would you say to people? Because now I'm sitting here in terror, Aaron. I know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to scare everybody. How do you encourage somebody to actually start this process? I encourage people to look at your lifestyle and clean it the fuck up. Mm. First of all, put yourself in a position for success. Clean up your food and diet. And by the way, there's no one diet that's perfect for everyone. You have to figure out what makes you feel good. I I went to this like goop breakfast the other morning and Gwyneth Paltrow has this doctor who they have a podcast. I haven't listened to it. I'm forgetting his name right now, but he's a wonderful doctor. And he said, there's not one diet because everyone's going, is it paleo and is it keto? And yeah, no, it's, it's not one size fits all. It's not one size. He's like, you know, you have to think about the idea that like, he goes, I used to just eat food and feel sick after and think that's what the process was. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you shouldn't feel sick every time you eat. So everybody has to figure out like what makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. And you should go to a doctor or healthcare professional. Honestly, sorry, not a Western medicine doctor. They're really not trained to believe that food has anything to do with your health. I have an autoimmune disease and I went to a doctor and was like, should I be eating any definitely? Like, no, no, just take the, take the drugs I'm giving you Just take the steroids and it'll shrink the inflammation. I'm like, okay. So I took the steroids and then my hair started falling out. Mm. I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then I realized like, it's really bad for you to do that. And you can actually just eat anti-inflammatory foods and then it helps control an autoimmune disease because mm-hmm. autoimmune diseases are all that inflammation. Yeah. So I think people need to clean up their life and clean up what they're eating and be careful what you put on your body. Like look at the ingredients in your skincare and your makeup. And Sephora has um, a clean line and they basically put a stamp on every um, product that meets their standards. Mm. And so you can still buy fun stuff sure yeah you know and and it doesn't have to be like a hundred percent clean but i do think anywhere you can try to you should clean it up a little bit um mm-hmm. nail polish is like one of the biggest factors that women don't think about mm-hmm. it's one of the most toxic things we put on our body and it's absorbed right into your bloodstream through your cuticles so you should think about it um i'm not a fan of gels yeah i haven't had gels in years um so like it's not i know i sound it's like i don't sound like fun time Aaron or anything but 
This no, is just, I think that there's lots of fun times you can do with <laughs> just, just natural products. You yeah. just, it's about educating yourself to be a better consumer. Clean it up a little bit. And then mm-hmm. in, on the other side, on the West, on the Western medicine side, um, you should go to a fertility specialist. Your gynecologist can't tell you how many eggs you have. Mm-hmm. You um, find a fertility doctor that your friends like or that you, I don't, I don't know. I mean, usually you go kind of word of mouth. Yeah, of course. Um, but um, insurance really doesn't cover any of it unless mm-hmm. you work at one of the new cool companies. If you're at Netflix or Facebook or sure. Instagram, any of these, they'll pay for it. But um, most people don't. Uh, I would say in and out on the high end side, it's going to cost $15,000. Mm-hmm. So not everyone can do it. Not everything costs that much though for mm-hmm. everybody. So um, every doctor is different and like the medication that someone, you know, I need less medication than someone with 30 eggs. Sure if I'm only sense. trying to cook, th- not cook, I'm actually freezing, right? If I'm only looking to freeze three, you only need like $600 of medication. But if you're freezing 30, you might need $5,000 of medication. Mm, uh, okay. So I will go to a fertility doctor and see what you're working with. Your doctor might go like, go home, come back in five years. You have like hundreds you're of fine. eggs. You have, you're very fertile. You're fine. If you, if you're not, you should really look into dealing with it. Mm. Cause I, I have friends who waited too long and when they're gone, they're gone. Mm. There's nothing anyone can do to get them back. So I just think I want women to be more comfortable with the idea of actually knowing what, uh, what your options are. Mm. All right. I think that's really interesting. Um, okay. So I'm curious, Aaron, about your secret wellness ritual. And we ask everybody and it's time for you to come clean. Okay. I'm going to come clean. It's really dirty. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I swear I'm not a hippie. I know I sound really all natural and what weird, but um, I recently discovered ashwagandha. Do you, know what, do you know anything about it? Yep. It's in our Good to Glow. Oh, supplement. okay, great. So yeah. it's a powder or a c- capsule mm-hmm. and it um, basically lowers your stress levels. It like drops your cortisol. Mm. That's it, right? Cortisol? We we use it in a skincare um, product. And mm-hmm. so for us, we use it because it's like antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. a- anti-acne. Okay. That kind so of So apparently it has more thing, good things than I even thought. It, it, it's great for It you. lowers your cortisol levels, which is directly related to infertility, mm. having high cortisol levels and just stress in general yeah. is like the worst thing for your body. And I've really genuinely noticed a difference mm. by putting it in a little almond milk and like drinking it once a day um, or sometimes putting it in a capsule. It just, it really does make you manage stress better. That's so I swear to God, I feel it. I really feel the difference. I would like strongly recommend anybody to invest in having a little bit of ashwagandha every day, even though the word makes me sound like, you know, I'm very alternative. Uh, I know. I love that. I yeah. It great. really, it genuinely works. I'm going to go to the store and buy bulk. It's better than it's Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and then we like to finish up the episode by talking about um, what you do for yourself um, that makes you feel great that you can't live without. And I feel like for me, it's getting tons of sleep and drinking enough water every day, which is basic, right? But like, mm-hmm. I'm a human being, I'm a plant. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just need to sit in the sun and I need to sleep enough and I need water. <laughs> and and then you feel good. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, sleep is definitely a really big one for me. And um, saying no. Mm. Just saying, no, I'm not coming to the dinner. I'm when not coming did, to your party. I'm just going to stay home. When did you learn how to do that? I think I learned in my 30s to mm. just like, go, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do that job. It doesn't feel right. Or I don't want to be your friend because mm-hmm. I don't like you. <laughs> and I don't want to go to that party because I don't feel like going. Yeah. And I think it should be fine. I'm not, I just, I think it's important to live for 
um, what works in your life or, and not necessarily always live by, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I have to be in a million places. You can just say no and you can just stay home. I love that. All right, you guys say no to somebody today. Start practicing. <laughs> just say no. Did I make up that term? Just say no. Y- you did. It's yours okay. now. It coined it. I love that. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks thank you for, for sharing your me. story. This is great.